What credit is it to you that if when you sin, you're beaten for it and you endure? What credit is it? You know, if you're a believer, you come to Christ, you realize you're a sinner. That's how you realize you needed a savior. And so sin begins to bother you and you're convicted. And when you sin, you feel bad about it and you should because you know a spotless lamb died to cover those sins. You should feel bad because that's not acknowledging that there was a price paid for your ability to have righteousness. So you feel bad. So what credit is it to you that when you sin, you're beaten for it and you endure it? But if you do good, if you do good, and then you suffer, and you endure the suffering, that's a gracious thing, a gracious thing in the sight of God. The gospel in 24 down here says, Christ took our sin, bore it in his body on the tree. That is the core of the gospel. And you go back, you say, okay, so what, what is it? It says that that's our substitutionary atonement. We, we were saved through the blood of Christ. But on the cross, there are a few other things that, that happened there. He says, he did this, why? He said, he set an example for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. So the cross is salvation for us. The blood was spilt. We're free in Christ, but it's an example. So I'm a Christian. So there came a point in my life where I became a believer, and I said, Lord, I don't want to die and go to hell. I was nine years old. I remember my bedroom. I remember the comforter on my bed where I knelt with my mother and I prayed for salvation. I knew I wanted to be saved, right? I did not know what it meant to follow Christ. It is, it is a, a progression of maturity. And we're left with an example. You need to know the power of the cross to save you. Absolutely. If you're here this morning and you don't understand that, the power of the cross saves you. You can trust Christ. He spilt the blood for you and for me. But it doesn't stop at the acknowledgement of that. There's an example set here for us. you got to live out. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What changes? I became a Christian. What Changed. Well, I was nine years old. I'm not sure what changed. I don't remember. Maybe I quit lying so much. Maybe not, because I lied pretty good in high school. So, but what changed in me? What began to be birthed inside of me? What was it that began to mold me? It was love. It was a love that I didn't understand. The cross is so much love that I couldn't even digest that. At nine years old, I just know Jesus loves me. And I sang the songs, and I was at church all the time. Jesus loves me. Yes, he loves me. But he set an example for me because following Christ is a big deal. Praying a prayer is a moment. 
Following Christ is a life. And he set an example on the cross for us. How are you defined? If you're a believer and you begin to process following Christ, your life is defined by love. And we're going to take that apart a little bit. What, what does your life look like as you go throughout your day? Now, you can show up here. We all look pretty good this morning. We smell pretty decent this morning. It's not a bad place to hang out. There's good folks here. You know, and, I, and I don't know if it's a good analogy or not. It's an analogy that my mind wraps around because I was a football coach forever. But, you know, I'm, <clears throat> and I'm a little jaded on this whole deal because I was a Cowboys fan for a long time. I sort of am, but not really anymore, but sort of. But so you know when they throw a, a pass in the NFL or any really, actually anywhere now because college, high school getting good at this, but you teach a receiver how to block the view on a bad pass. It might skip on the ground, but he might get shielded enough that you didn't know if it bounced or if he caught it or not. Now, we have the, the TV review now, right? We can get the instant replay from all the angles, and we'll see it touch the grass, and it's no-go because he tried to fake it and make it look, and he got up with confidence. He was confident he caught that ball. He knew it bounced on the ground. But you know what? Christians come to church. People show up to church confident that showing up here will get it done. It will not. You'll fake it. And you know how we'll know? Because it says they're going to know you're my disciples by your love one for another. What is that? love look like. The cross speaks the example, he says to us. The cross gives us the example. And what is that? So when he was on the cross, Jesus looked down at the people who had just nailed him to the tree, at the people who had hollered in the, the big gathering, crucify him, crucify him. And he looked at them and he said, Lord, give them their, give them, punish them, God, punish them. It's not what he said, was it? He said, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they do. They don't even know who they are. They haven't made a connection yet. Forgive them, God. When you see those around you that you think harm you or bring harm to you or think harm on you or even present an obstacle to you, and you instantly you go to the mindset of, well, I've got to protect myself here. I'm going to have to manage this. This can't get out of hand. I'm going to have to handle this. That's not love. You look at those that oppose you and harm you, and you say, God, forgive them. Now, why, why did he do that? Well, why was he able to do that? Because he knew in whose hands he was in. He trusted that Father God was his protector. Do you know that? Do you know God is your protector? He is. I don't care what's going on in your life. God is your protector if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And he also knew that vengeance is the Lord's. But, you know, we like to take it in our own hands sometimes because we like to help him out with that because that feeds a little something in us. What is it that that feeds in us? Selfishness. Christ was on the cross dying a brutal death, and he looked down and said, Lord, forgive them. That's an example to us. What's the next thing he did? He looked at the guy next to him who was a sure enough criminal, a guy that deserved everything he was getting, and he said, 
today you'll be with me in paradise. It didn't matter what was going on in his life. His mind was still on the mission. What was the mission? Redemption. Redemption. What's the mission? Once you've been saved and you're here on earth and you're walking day in and day out, what's the mission? Make a lot of money? Marry a beautiful woman? Not a bad idea. But I did. But the thing is, is that what's the mission left for us? What, what is your day supposed to be about? Am I supposed to be worried about this life? Or am I supposed to be looking for those who are in desperate need and looking for salvation? The world is looking for truth. If, if you live in a place where you think, where you've judged all those around you as, well, it's, it's dead, they can't be helped, you're wrong. Christ is redeeming his creation. We're meant to be a part of that, and if my mind is on that, then I'm not worried about my circumstance. It's going to be rough. In college, I had a T-shirt. It said, life is hard, and then you die. I wore it all the time because I thought it was kind of, you know, snarky. But it's true. Life is very hard. Most of us, it's terminal. I pray Jesus comes back soon. I'd like to. We rapture practice out at the ranch. We jump up and down. But we want to. But you know what? It's terminal, right? And so am I worried that those around me won't make it? I should be. I should be loving them like crazy. Do you love people enough that when you go to work, you're sad in your heart for what you see and what you hear because you know they've missed the truth? You should be because that's the point. You should pray for them as you're going to work. Pray for them at lunch. You should pray for those around you that they find Christ because none of this matters. It all burns in the end. The new heaven and new earth will come. Man, Jesus loves people. He died when he hated us. He died for us because he hates sin, but he loves us and he died for us. Do you love the people around you? Do you love your family members? You know, we're pretty quick to judge family, aren't we? We think that's okay. Like I had an older brother. I, I stuttered real bad growing up and he'd make fun of me a lot. And and, and he could make fun of me. We we're on the school bus one day going home and this kid behind me, I was trying to talk and he started to mock me, you know, P -p 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 -p. and my brother hit him square in the face. And he says, that's my brother. I can make fun of him, but you can't. But, you know, we look at our family, and we'll judge our family right all day long because we just say, they, they ought to know better. They, they should do better because they, they raised the same house I was raised in. That's not true. They didn't experience the same house you experienced. You know, I was raised in a really good home, and my brothers and I were talking a couple of years ago. You know, we don't remember stuff the same. Our experience was not the same. The way I see my dad is not the way my oldest brother sees my dad. The way I view my mother is not how my oldest brother views my we didn't. We lived in the same house. Our experience was not the same. I love, I love my family. Uh, but you, you know, you don't, get a, you don't have a right to judge them. Love them. Jesus set the example. He said, Lord, forgive them. He said, man, your soul matters. Then he looked down and he saw his mother and he saw John standing there. And he said, woman. This is your son. Man, this is your mother. Why? He's in agony. He's dying. And he looked down at a woman who's just a woman. God 
blessed her, but she's just a woman, and now she has nobody in her life. And at this point, her kids didn't even believe in Jesus. But, and, and he looks at her, and his concern is for her and for John, who he loved, that they have somebody that they can rely on each other because he cared about them, not about his own circumstance. It's important. When you're in your direst, direst circumstance, what are you thinking about? When you're at the moment where you feel the worst and you feel the most vulnerable, what are you thinking about? You should be praying and thinking about those who need more than what you need. Because who has you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can trust God. It says that he trusted. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Do you entrust yourself to God? Do you, do you really entrust yourself to God? All the junk going on in your life and the family around you, do you trust? Are you, you give all that to God and say, God, I trust you. You've got it. I'm going to serve you. Or have you lost your first love? Have you begun to believe that God really doesn't pay that much attention to your deal? That, that maybe you're just not worthy of the blessing of God? Well, that's not even part of the equation. We're not worthy. God chose us and loves us. You get that love. You get that protection. God says you're his and he is yours. You are a, you know, you don't necessarily, you should identify as a Christian. That's okay. That's the word was used. But you should identify as a man or a woman, a child in Christ. You're in Christ if you're a believer in Christ. You're good. You're covered. He's got you. There's nothing you're going to go through that he won't take you through. There's not part of what he's going to take you through that he won't grow you and heal you through that makes you more usable for the kingdom. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. Christ died on the cross. He didn't need salvation. He loved us. Do you love the people around you? Do you love your family? You love your coworkers. And say you got to like them. Do you love them? There's an example set here of selfless love. Be on mission. Christ never left the mission, even on the cross. What's your mission? What's God called you to? What has he bent your heart toward? Stay on mission. This life is hard. It just is. God is faithful always. On the cross, Jesus showed his sincere hatred for sin. At the moment that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced the full weight of the tragedy and the horrificness of sin in this, this world that he loved. Do you carry that as your example? Do you see sin for the horrific tragedy that it is? Not the thing that you just don't get to do anymore because you're Christian? You realize how hateful sin is in your life? Do you acknowledge that? Do you confess that to God? Do you run to God and say, God, heal my mind that I see sin for what it should be? That it, that it affects me, that it breeds up in me a hatred for what it really is to me and for those around me. 
We should. That's the example. Sin should wreck us. Not because we're sinning, because we acknowledge what sin is, that it's there, and that it is what's killing those that we love, what's harming the world around us, what causes the pain. That's what's going away. That's what's not going to be there anymore when we get to heaven. The example set before us is to forgive, to stay on mission, to be selfless, to understand the horror of sin. You know, we're most susceptible to sin when we're under attack. We are most susceptible to sin when we're under attack. That is why you put on the full armor of God. It's The enemy didn't just realize that he needed to start whipping up on the church. He'd been doing it for a long time. But Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on this rock, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Satan understands he's lost, but we give in to that onslaught of attack, and we become very susceptible to sin. It's, it's the way it is, and so you must cling to truth. And the truth is, is that our righteousness is in Christ, and we're in Christ, and we're okay. And then you have to finish we need to finish. You know, I think that's, I find myself in that mode of thinking. Well, I've got gray hair now, I'm thinking like that. Finish. Jesus cried out, it is finished, and he completed the work. We haven't completed our work yet. It's not over. You're still here. If you're following Christ, you have a work to finish. Stay focused. I talk to seniors all the time. I'm an educator. I teach, right? And uh, we're always talking about seniors. I say, you, you have to focus and finish, especially right now. Focus and finish. But you know what? As a believer, you need to focus and you need to finish. We are left here for a reason, and it's not to come here. This is great. I love church. I love church. This is not the mission. The mission is out there. Okay, this is where we come and we love on each other and we pray for each other. It is so vitally important that we understand that he said, for this you have been called. You come to faith, but you need to now live out faith. You know, you come to salvation and you believe in Jesus and it is good and it is true and he does his work. But baptism is not a picture of your big decision. Baptism is a picture of Christ's work that you are now dead to sin, raised to walk in new life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is, that is the truth of who you are. If you have professed and you have walked through the waters of baptism, you are to live out under the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in a new life. And that is so important. And he says down there, at the end he says, 
that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. These are the things that we do. This is how we function. The picture, the example is that we should be people that are forgiving people. How easy is it to forgive people? It's hard. Some, some of us struggle years to overcome pain and hurt to get to the point of saying, I, I forgive you, Dad. I, I forgive you, Mom. I, I forgive you, Sunday school teacher. And it's a big deal, but forgiveness is the point. Forgive. And that is an action of faith and walking and understanding that I don't get to, I don't get to hold forgiveness away from people because I receive forgiveness. Now I will forgive. But that's a journey. But get on the journey. Just being saved is not getting you to what you were called to. You're called to this, he says. For this you have been called. You need to suffer. If you're not suffering, are you living for Christ? Have you lost a friend because you speak the truth of Jesus Christ? Have you had hard conversations with peers because you speak for the cause of Christ? It's not because you attack them with the gospel, because you live the gospel and you love them and you pray for them and you let them know that this is truth. You'll be persecuted. You know, I was raised in the 80s and, and sadly so. Sadly that there was a real lax, and I'm judging the 80s, so that I'll, I'll do that. You may disagree, that's okay, you can. We didn't, we didn't live like there was gonna ever be a problem in America with being a Christian. We just, I wasn't raised that way in youth wasn't raised that way going into college. That we we're Christians. Yeah, that's cool. That's most of us. We're good. We're an army. You're a Christian now in 2023, and things are changing. You will suffer for Christ's sake. But you've been given an example of how to do it, and it is not to worry about the suffering. Was he worried about his suffering on the cross? No, he was not. Because it was the purpose for this you have been called to forgive, to love selflessly, to resist sin, to sympathize with those that are hurting, to finish and trust God in the moments when hell's on attack the most severe in your life. Trust God. He never leaves us. He won't forsake us. He understands. And he has everything we need. You know, it... It has taken me a while to get there on some of that. And I'm not there in other areas. But I will tell you that God has been so faithful in my life that I can't dare say another word except that. God is faithful. Man, he's faithful. And I'm weak. And I'm, I am faint of heart at moments because I look and I go, oh, no. God is never saying, oh, no, what did you do? No, God knows. And he's way ahead of us. And he loves us. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I want to read that to you real quick. It just says, if I turn to the right page, it says it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Why did he do it? For the joy. Why do you live out your life every day? For the misery? You shouldn't. You should live it for the joy set before you. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your future is heaven. You're gold. Nothing matters here except that you endure for the sake of Christ. For the joy that is set before you, you love your neighbor as yourself. For the joy that is set before you, you forgive everybody. For the joy that is set before you, you don't think about yourself first. For the joy set before you, you look around and you go, all I want to do is worship God. In Revelations, in chapter 2 and 3, he talks to the churches. And he says to them, he identifies them and he says, repent. He identifies them and he says, repent. In Revelations 3, verse 11, he says, I'm coming soon. Praise God, right? I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so no one may seize your crown. Hold fast. But that, we don't use that word fast a lot. Hold on with everything you have to what is true, Jesus Christ. And the word of God, hold on. Hold on with everything you have, nothing else. Can you hold on to a lot of things at once? You ever try to, I have a big hand. Sometimes carry groceries in. I'll take like nine bags, right, because I can just get them all. But I can't hold on to them very good, and there's been lots of moments that I've made a mess. You can't hold on in this life to more than one thing. Pick it. Hold on fast to Christ. You will suffer for doing that. And that is what you were called to Jesus looked at the disciples and said, follow me. And he went to a cross. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And he died a martyr's death. That may not sound great to you, but it's a truth. For this you have been called. Love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hold fast. You know, I think it is important that the worship team wants to come forward. It is important to keep in mind as we do this. It is, why, why do we study the word of God? Is it for knowledge? I, you know, you can know a lot of Bible. You should study the word of God to be transformed. The word of God is alive, and it changes us. You'll, you'll learn, and you'll know, and somebody might ask you, you know, what's Romans 10, 9 through 13, and you can go, oh, yeah, I know that, right? Okay, that's knowledge, but have you been changed by the word of God? You should study the word of God to be transformed. You will think differently. Christ thought differently, didn't he? When he set the example for us, he has called us to follow that example. 
And as he talks to the churches, you know, it's easy to lose your first love. It's easy to see everything around you and get distracted. The enemy's great at distracting us, isn't he? Oh, man, he is. But as you get your mind wrapped around the truth of God, and he says, repent, man, we, and you, you should repent, we should repent, and then worship Almighty God. I want to read you just a, the, some words from a song. It's a, it's a hymn. It says, oh, to be like thee, dear Jesus, is my plea, just to know thou art formed fully in me. On with thy beauty, off with my sin, fixed on thy glory, thy likeness to win. Oh, to be like thee, thine image display. This is the Spirit's work day after day. Oh, to be like thee, thou lover of men, gracious and gentle, compassionate friend, merciful Savior, such kindness and care are only mine when your likeness I share. You know, I talk a lot about love. I believe that's the one thing that I pray for all the time is God, make me a person that's filled with your love. I want to be filled with your love, God, and I want that to be who I am. And in, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm just going to read you one verse there, 7, 13, 7, and there's, you know, more before that. It says, what, is, what does love do? What, what does real love do? And as you look at yourself as an individual, is this love in you? Love does what? Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. This morning, I just hope that you connect to the love of Christ that has been given to us as believers and that you'll step into life in faith and live what you've been called to live. to love people, to forgive people, to live selflessly, to see people with sympathetic vision, to finish what God has called you to do.